Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. 2.36 is the time here at KSL News Radio. Final half hour of the program here. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much for being part of this episode number 283 of Live Mike. We're talking, uh, as we wrap up the program today, uh, about an investigation that is kicking off uh, in earnest by various committees in the United States Congress, specifically examining the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Tomorrow, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, there will be a full committee hearing assembled in the United States Senate. The U.S. Uh, Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs will gather together and they will hear from a number of witnesses, uh, including now you may not recognize these names, but you will certainly recognize and understand the positions. Number one, uh, Robert Conti is currently the acting chief of police of the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington, D.C. Now, these names, the next three I'm going to read to you, are all individuals who have resigned their post following the events that transpired on January 6th. First is Stephen Sund, the former chief of police uh, of the U.S. Capitol Police Force. Second, uh, Michael C. Stanger, the former sergeant-at-arms and doorkeeper of the United States Senate. And then lastly, Paul D. Irving, former sergeant-at-arms for the United States House of Representatives. Mr. Irving may be the most recognizable face when it, uh, it comes to the list of those who resigned their positions following January 6th. Uh, Paul Irving, as sergeant of the arms for the House, his responsibility, at least uh, the most public responsibility he held, was during joint sessions of Congress, of which the State of the Union is one, Paul Irving, the sergeant at arms, is the one that stands at the gate and announces the arrival of the President of the United States. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, the president. Well, you, you know what I'm talking about. He's the one that does that. And he also uh, is much more than just a, a ceremonial person and one who occupies a ceremonial position. As Sergeant at Arms, you also have some uh, some important security responsibilities. And, well, uh, depending on how you look at things, security broke down on January 6th. And they... This collection of individuals who have all resigned their posts and who were firsthand witnesses to the events of January 6th, they will be testifying before Congress tomorrow. Another firsthand witness, a man who is speaking out for the very first time, in fact, the very first member of the United States Capitol Police Force to speak out publicly, is uh, an officer named Harry Dunn. He, this morning, spoke exclusively with uh, ABC News, and I want to walk through some of what he had to say as he shared uh, his firsthand experiences, the things he witnessed with his own eyes, and the things that he heard said to him uh, with his very own ears. So here, I'm just going to go through uh, clip by clip the various uh, comments made by, again, Officer Harry Dunn of the Capitol Police Force speaking out for the first time, he being the first officer even to do so. There were so many calls on the radio. Priority, help, help. Somebody's trapped. We need help. Shots fired. 
he sat down uh, with ABC News' Pierre Thomas uh, during this interview. And during the conversation, he recalled the orders he was given to prepare for battle. We were told to uh, get helmets, riot helmets. Uh, that was new. You just see a sea of people, Trump flags, Confederate flags, thin blue line flags, don't tread on me flags. And then you look down and you see officers fighting with these people, pepper spray, smoke grenades, gas grenades, pepper balls being thrown by everybody, flashbangs. We fought with these people who were prepared for a fight. They had on gas masks, they had on body armor, they had on two-way radios, they had on tactical gear, bulletproof vests, they were ready to go. This type of thing, as you well know, doesn't happen at the United States Capitol. Right. Uh, Officers like this are very rarely put in circumstances where they should be afraid for their lives. And yet it was on January 6th that that was, in fact, the case. And here is Officer Dunn describing how he feared for his life and uncertain of the outcome. I was scared. I was absolutely scared. I'm on this platform. I'm a big guy. I'm six foot seven. I'm this giant person. And we had our guns out. And I'm thinking all these people out there. They're armed, too. And I'm like, I'm going to get shot. They're going to take me out. I remember at one point I said, how is this going to end? There's another element uh, which transpired during the events of January 6th, which was uh, inexplicable. I don't I don't understand it. I saw it playing out and I couldn't even begin to wrap my head around it. You heard Officer Dunn a moment ago describing some of the flags uh, he saw carried in uh, in the midst of uh, the you know the attack on the Capitol. Well, he talked here about uh, a specific type of flag. In fact, a pro-police flag. In fact, he describes one of the individuals who had stormed the Capitol flash a police badge. I said, we got dozens of officers down. We got dozens of officers down. And you got the nerve to be holding the Blue Lives Matter flag. I thought they were going to have a moment where they... They came to and they realized, like, yo, what are we doing? But, like, they instantly snapped out of it and they said, nah, we're doing this for you. We're doing this for you. And as one of the guys kept walking by, the other one pulled out his badge and said, trust me, I understand. We're doing this for you, buddy. And he's got a badge. He shows me his badge. You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Then Officer Dunn, Harry Dunn here, he talks about how in one instance he uh, he stood his ground and then was asked a question. I literally told them, if they want to get through here, you got to go through me. And they didn't. They just started talking to me. They were saying nobody voted for him. So I took the bait and I, OK, what about me? I voted for Joe Biden. Does my vote not count? And here in the interview is where things took, uh, if they weren't dark already, a much darker turn. Uh, Officer Harry Dunn here, he explains he knew that this was more than politics when the mob uh, attacked him verbally. He couldn't believe it was happening in the United States Capitol. Officer Dunn, a black officer, recalled how this mob started chanting racial slurs toward him. And his girlfriend, she had on a pink MAGA shirt. He said, hey, this voted for Joe Biden, guys. Hey, everybody, this voted for Joe Biden. They said, you everybody, everybody joined in with him. 
Everybody wants to say that it was about politics and everything, but it was a large number of people in that crowd that were racist. Dunn claims here next that the mob told him why they were storming the Capitol. We're stopping the steal. According to them, they were doing it for us. They were doing us a favor. According to those terrorists, it wasn't just a mob or a bunch of thugs, you know. It, they were terrorists. They tried to disrupt this country's democracy. That was their goal. And you know what? Y'all failed. That was a, a video interview that was granted. And that moment there where uh, Dunn says, y'all failed, I can tell you what he did was he turned away from Pierre Thomas, the interviewer, and looked straight into the camera and uh, and spoke to those who he called terrorists and said, uh, if your goal was to fail, to, to terrorize and to instill fear, turn to the camera, eye contact, y'all failed. That's what he had to say. Uh, I got one last clip here to play. After the dust settled, Officer Dunn sat with a friend and had a moment of reflection. This is what he had to say. It's just cloud of smoke, water bottles, broken flagpoles. Everything in the rotunda, just laying there on the floor. And I sat down with a good friend of mine. So I said, is this America? What the hell just happened? And I told him, I got called a n- couple dozen times today, protecting this building. Is this America? They beat police officers with Blue Lives Matter flags. They fought us. They had Confederate flags in the U.S. Capitol. They stormed the Speaker's office. They went through their sensitive documents. They were trying to assassinate the Vice President in the Capitol. Hmm. This story and others will be told uh, repeatedly over the next few days as Congress takes up its investigation into what happened on January 6th. Uh, tomorrow, in earnest, the U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Governmental Affairs will host uh, a hearing examining the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Uh, the two former sergeants at arms for both the Senate and the House will be there, as well as the recently resigned chief of the U.S. Capitol Police. What will they have to say? We'll find out. I'll bring it to you here on Live Mike. Quick break. When we return in the final segment of today's program, I want to share with you some of the Q&A that went back and forth between uh, nominee for the post of attorney general and Utah's own Senator Mike Lee. They talked about the Second Amendment. What did Senator Lee ask and what did Judge Garland respond with? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.